Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. We are beginning a new message series called Note to Self, uh, and we're going to have some different speakers throughout the series, but I'm launching it today. And a note of to self today is probably a note that we don't necessarily need in the physical area of our life. Uh, we're simply calling this eat well and eat often. Uh, we know that as human beings with physical bodies, that calorie consumption is essential to our lives. Uh, the reason that you're here this morning, the reason that your body is functioning, the reason you were able to walk through our doors or be seated or to gather here, the reason you are able to do that is because your body is continuously consuming calories that you have eaten earlier on and that your body has stored as energy. Uh, we know that the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services says that the average adult woman expends roughly 1,600 to 2,400 calories per day. The average adult man uses approximately 2,000 to 3,000 calories a day. Your body burns calories digesting food. Your body burns calories storing food. Your body burns calories intaking food. Your body is burning calories all the time. In fact, if you want a really exciting weight loss program, uh, your body burns roughly 50 to 80 calories per hour, even while you sleep. And so while you sleep, your body continues to burn calories at the rate of 50 to 80 calories per hour. Uh, one pound of body fat, anybody know how many calories one pound of body fat contains? Wow, that's really good. 3,500. Were you guys here first service? Uh, 3,500, I think you cheated. Uh, 3,500 calories uh, is roughly what a pound of body fat contains. Uh, we are constantly feeding ourselves. We need to do that. Uh, the world consumes more than 11 million pounds of food every minute of every day. Every minute of every day. 11 million pounds of food are used. The oldest sequenced recipe ever found was on the walls of an Egyptian tomb back in the 19th century. It taught people how to make flatbread. The second oldest is 14th century BC, and it described the making of Sumerian beer, locally referred to as liquid bread. Uh, maybe if you feel like you're not burning enough calories as a human being, uh, a black bear uh, roughly consumes about 8,000 calories per day. Uh, sometimes it's around 15 to 20,000 calories per day in the fall as they get ready for hibernation. Uh, grizzly bears eat up to around 30 pounds of food per day. Grizzly bears can also consume 50 to 60,000 calories per day as they get ready for hibernation. That's the equivalent of 1,282 hard-boiled eggs. And if you need another visual image of what that looks like, there'll be one on the screens. And uh, I think it'll be on the screens. It will be on the screens. Maybe it's not on the screens. Um, uh, there we go. Awesome. Uh, dozen Dunkin' Donuts, a pizza, 
some stuff from Sana, a couple Hershey chocolate bars, some KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, I think I forget how many of that. I think that's about 30,000 calories or so there. So if you're kind of like need to eat calories, might want to turn yourself into a bear and see how that works. Right, here's the deal, friends. There's no argument that we need calories. You don't have, most likely, a note to self to eat. And maybe if you're on a diet, you actually do have a note to self, or maybe you can only consume a small amount of food at a time, and so you need to eat often. But Scripture tells us that just as you need to consume calories to sustain your body physically, we as human beings, beings, not just physical bodies, but beings require something to sustain us as well. You are not a self-sustaining body, just like your car is not a self-sustaining vehicle. You've got to feed your car, and especially these days, you kind of wish that you didn't have to feed it quite that much, but your car eats a lot, and you've got to feed your car on a regular basis, gasoline, maintenance, all of that kind of stuff. You've got to feed your car in order to make it work. Your body needs to be fed in order to make it work. And Jesus says, the thing that we often lose sight of is that as human beings, we are calorie-consuming beings, it's easy for us to see that in the physical world, but the fact of the matter is that's just as true in the spiritual world as well. You, for your life, as a human being, consume something. Something sustains you. Something gives you life. Something activates who you are. Something energizes you. Something puts life into you. You are a calorie-consuming person. You know, just real quick, often we sort of think that spiritual reality, we kind of draw from physical reality as, for examples, for spiritual reality. And so often we kind of think that physical reality is first, and then just we sort of draw illustrations from our physical lives and apply that to the spiritual world. God actually created us in the exact opposite way. You're, you're first and foremost a being. You're a being that derives life from somewhere. You're a being that derives connection and action from somewhere. But in order to make that plain, God has actually baked that in to the physical world as well. And so you're, the way that you consume calories physically is actually an example of a much deeper reality that you are not a self-sustaining person in your being. You draw calories, you draw life from somewhere. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds several thousand people. He says, he says about 5,000 men. Uh, most likely that is just including males. So in addition to that, there's females, there's children, probably Jesus feeds upwards of 10,000 people in John chapter 6. And then Jesus uses that physical provision as an illustration of spiritual provision as well. In fact, after Jesus is done with that miracle, the next day the crowds come out to him again. 
and they want something to eat. They figured, hey, we got a free meal yesterday from this miracle worker. Maybe we can get something free to eat today. Here's what it says in John chapter 6. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He said, you're here because I filled your physical bellies yesterday. And then he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And Jesus says, you're here for physical food, but physical food spoils. Your body will eventually spoil as well. He says, it's that much more important to have food that endures for eternal life, that gives you life in your being. It's a much deeper, richer, fuller level of life than just the outward physical aspect of what takes place. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus used an illustration. Uh, Moses in the Old Testament, as the people left the country of Egypt, as they moved toward the promised land, went through this place called the wilderness. It was a wild place. You can hear that word in wilderness. And they didn't have anything to eat. So God literally gave them manna or kind of wafers of bread from heaven. The word manna simply means what is it? It was a provision from God that came from heaven. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the bread, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus says, yes, in the Old Testament, the God of heaven gave you physical bread, gave you physical manna. It sustained you. And then Jesus is making this audacious claim that just like the physical bread came from heaven to sustain them physically, he says, now I am God's provision. I've come from heaven to actually bring life. Not just physical life, but life that is truly life. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? So they began to argue about this. They're like, come on, Jesus. Like, we know Joseph and Mary. We know where you came from. You're not from heaven. But we, of course, know that Jesus did come down from heaven. I'm going to invite Emmanuel up, and he's going to read our verses for this morning, John chapter 6, verses 48 through 59. Uh, he's going to be reading that, where Jesus continues to talk about this theme of him being the bread of life. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we understand that? Uh, Emmanuel is actually from uh, Ghana, Africa. He actually told me that the last time that he read scripture in sort of a church environment kind of setting was actually in his home country of Ghana, about 2018. Uh, so that church is roughly about the same size of the church here at Southridge. Only little difference, though, their services are three hours. So like just, you know, if we ever want to go that direction, just let me know. Um, <laughs> But uh, Emmanuel, read for us John chapter 6, uh, verses 48 through 59. Okay. Um, 48. 
I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes from heaven, which everyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. My flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is said while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Amen. Thank you, Emmanuel. Thank you. So again, verses 48 and following, just a couple of verses there. Let me kind of go back to them. Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is saying that the world in one sense is dead, but that he comes to give his life for the world and that he is the bread of life. Notice what Jesus says, he's the bread. Uh, for us, maybe we're accustomed to bread. We have it before meals. Maybe we have it during a meal. But bread is often kind of like to the side in our diet. Uh, we generally have some other sort of entree, some other sort of main dish to eat. And bread is something that we eat with our meal. In the ancient times, bread often was the meal. Uh, periodically, if somebody was fairly well off, there would be meat, but that would not be too frequent. It would not be overly regular. Bread would be sort of the staple of what they would eat, would give them calories, would energize them. That would be what would sustain them. And so Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not just a supplement. I'm not just an hors d'oeuvre. I'm not just a snack. I'm not just dessert at the end. I'm not something you eat with your meal. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am what sustains. I am what gives you life. And Jesus is here precisely because the world, you and I as we know it, we are dead. We are separated from God. We don't have life in and of ourselves. What does that life look like? Maybe just a couple of ideas to kind of like tease that out. Because the Bible talks about that in different ways. Sometimes the Bible talks about life in terms of seeing. 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So we know what it looks like to be blind or have the lights off. We bump into things. We can't move about freely. We're restricted. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It would be hard to do life if you were always in darkness. And so light illuminates. It enables you to be function as a full human being. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uses the word blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Sometimes scripture uses the idea of shalom. Shalom is the idea of, of flourishing, of well-being. Often it's translated with the word peace. In the New Testament, even that word peace has connection to the Old Testament idea of shalom. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace or shalom, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be fearful. So the idea of, of being blessed, living in shalom, well-being, fullness, wholeness. That's the idea. That's life. Seeing, being blessed, flourishing. Another way that Jesus talks about this is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Here's what he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so the word rest is another idea of what life looks like. Not always striving, not always pushing, but rest. Life is one of those things that can be hard to actually define exactly what it is, but we sort of all full know. It's, it's, mean, it's having your fullness of purpose, knowing why you are who you are or, or who you are, that you're created by God. That's life. It's fullness, it's flourishing, it's a spirit of peace. But here's the deal. We all know that in order to be healthy physically, there's different parts that we need to our diet. And maybe some of us do have notes to sell to have our vitamins or take some kind of supplements. And we know that vitamin A aids growth and development in the formation of red blood cells, skin and bone, promotes healthy vision, reproduction, and immune function. Vitamin D plays a role in blood pressure regulation, bone development, blood calcium balance, hormone production, and immune and nervous system function. Vitamin E acts as an antioxidant, forms blood vessels, and supports immune function. We could go through the whole list, but we know that different kinds of vitamins and minerals give us the health that we have. Sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, copper, zinc, selenium, chlorium, chromium, fluoride, manganese, all of those things we need as a part of our diet. So Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the one who sustains. Now, let me just kind of like ask you this. Well, Jesus says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Jesus is saying that you and I, this world, needs him as the bread. Maybe you can kind of look at it like this. We often use the word disease to talk of physical illness. When you kind of break that down, what does that mean? Disease is dis-ease. 
It's when your body isn't functioning like it's supposed to function. If you have a disease, you have a dis-ease of your body. Your body is not functioning well. There's something that's hijacking it. There's something that's sabotaging its functioning. You have dis-ease. Your body isn't functioning as an ease. Instead, there's challenges, there's difficulties. And Jesus would say there's dis-ease of our souls as well. If I could just kind of like have a room conversation, I'd love to do this here online as well as in a room. But if you, if you had to think, what are some of the breads or what does our culture tell us is bread for our beings these days? If our culture were to prescribe a diet and say, hey, eat this diet and you will have life, what would that diet look like? What is our bread culturally? Well, a couple things come to my mind. Probably a couple things come to your mind as well. Probably the number one bread that our culture says is the bread of life is the bread of self-determination, right? If you can determine who you are according to who you want to be, that's the bread of life. That will give you life. That will give you fulfillment. That will give you meaning. That will enable your soul to flourish. That will give you shalom. That will give you well-being. That will make you a blessed person if you can eat the bread of self-determination. Maybe some others. What about self-accomplishment? If I can achieve X, Y, and Z, my soul will be fulled. If I can achieve X, Y, and Z, my soul will flourish. If I can do such and such, that will be my bread, and it will give me fullness of being. The only question is this. Jesus also said that he gives us rest. Question, if your bread is self-accomplishment, how much rest will you have? The reason that we're a tired and weary culture is because we eat the bread of self-accomplishment. And the bread of self-accomplishment, trust me, will not allow you to rest. How much bread do you need of self-accomplishment before you had rest? It's always a little bit more, right? You will never get to the point of self-accomplishment where it's truly bread for your life. A couple of others. What about validation? Validation as bread in our culture is huge. It's exactly why we have sort of the anger and attacking culture that we have today. If my bread is validation and you don't validate me, you're starving me out. And when you starve me out, I erupt. And so as long as validation of others is my bread, we will have an antagonistic culture because the second you don't validate me, you're taking away my bread of life. So validation of others is bread that we thrive on. Maybe for others, it's control. Uh, some of you probably struggle with anger. Anger is simply a means by which you ensure that you get your bread of control. Other people around you know that if they cross you, you're going to explode, and you explode in order to have control because control is your bread. 
And so anger is simply symptomatic of where you find bread. It enables you to control. Maybe for some, it's things like pleasure, or maybe it's pornography or alcohol or drugs. And those sorts of things become our bread to somehow escape pain or boredom. Maybe it's social media activity. Like that becomes our bread to somehow help us to escape our own challenges or our own boredom. You know, things like pornography can give you a high momentarily and it can appear to be your bread and suddenly it leaves you empty. And same thing with drugs or other forms of pleasure. You know, this week as I was literally thinking about this, um, just kind of a small, small series of circumstances in my own life that kind of pointed to me where I was finding some bread. Uh, the one day I had to get something, so I went out of my house, got my truck, driving down the road, I thought, oh man, I forgot my wallet. And our person who sort of likes kind of efficiency. And so, like, oh shoot, I forgot my wallet. So I go back and, you know, get my wallet. Meanwhile, I'm talking on my phone when I'm going back into my house. And so I get back into my truck, start heading down the road. I'm like, oh, I don't have my phone now. And so I got to go back to the house, got to get my phone. So I'm walking out of my house with my phone, my wallet. And I'm like, are my keys in the truck or did I leave them in the house? And so it's kind of like back and forth and back and forth. And I, I, it's, again, it's, it's, real, it's totally, totally, totally minor. It's, it's, we all have much more significant things in our life than that. But here's what I can tell you. At that moment, I could tell my bread of life was efficiency. Like, it really ticked me off. Like, I, I ticked myself off. Like, oh, so, like, my frustration level pointed out to me that my bread of life was efficiency. And so Jesus says, he is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. Maybe just take that apart. What does that mean? Here's some truths about who Jesus is that is our bread. He gives us relationship with the Father in heaven. He makes us his sons and his daughters. He makes us new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Friends, that's bread. You are not your mistakes. You are not your failures. You are not your self-efforts. You are new in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. Listen to this, friends. Sharing in the glory of God is your bread. You may feel that your life is meaningless. Just a bunch of details. Never listen to that thought in your mind. You share with God's glory. Elsewhere in Scripture, we are told that you are an heir of Christ, that all things belong to you because you are in Christ and Christ is in God. All things belong to you. You are not in poverty. You, all things belong to you. Here's what I want to ask you. Jesus says he's the bread of life. 
Pretty often it's easy for us to just kind of like check off that box theologically. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay, kind of like what's the next point? Let me just kind of like ask you to dive into that a little bit. Let me put a continuum up here and kind of lead you through something. Over here we'll put profess Christ. So this is having Jesus as your Savior, him giving you eternal life. Over here we'll put nourish. Nourish. If you were to put yourself on this continuum, would you say, yeah, like I profess Jesus as my Savior, good to go, know I have a relationship with the Father in heaven, I'm his child, okay, like what's next? Is this something you profess? Or to what extent does that actually nourish your daily life? To what extent does Christ being the life to what extent is that the food that you consume on a daily basis? As somebody says, when your moments when you think about nothing, what do you think about? What does your what is your what, what are the roots of your heart sinking themselves deeply into? What is providing the nutrients of your soul? Is it your accomplishments? Is it your self-analysis? Do you say, man, if I can just figure myself out, then I'll have life? Is it family success, the success of your kids? Is it the success of your job? Is it having a spouse or your spouse? What does your life sink its roots into? What captures your imagination? Does the truth of who Jesus is, does that capture your imagination? Is your mind all tangled up and wrapped around the truth of who Jesus is? Or is your mind wrapped around and tangled up in fears, anxieties, worries, or the ways that you wish you could have life? Maybe another continuum. Kind of very similar in meaning. We'll put over here belief. And over here, we'll put eat. You know, probably many of us in this room or online, we are believers in Jesus. And that's awesome. It's, it's an awesome step. But here's the question. Do you simply believe in Jesus? Or how much are you actually eating of him? How much do you actually digest mull over, pick apart, dive down deep into the truth of who Jesus is. See, friends, this will, I can tell you, this will change your life. The more that you move from just professing to actually nourishing, the more that you move from just believing to actually eating and digesting, it will change. Here's the deal. When I eat lunch or whatever, like I'm not really thinking, gosh, man, I hope these nutrients make it down to my toenails. Like, you know, or I'm not thinking like, man, like I hope these nutrients like certainly make it to my heart and my lungs and my digestive tract and my blood capillaries and vessels and art. Like, I, I don't think that. It just does. It's mysterious. And here's the deal. The more that you eat, the more that you digest the person of Jesus 
Somehow, through the work of God's Spirit, it will change you. That's the promise of God. Our problem is not that it doesn't. Our problem is we often just believe and profess and we think we're done rather than being nourished, eating, or digesting. And so note to self, eat well, eat often. What is your mind wrapped around? What's it twisted up in? Is your mind, is your imagination twisted up in the beautiful truth of who God is? Do you like, we all know what it means to have anxiety or worry and just we take things apart in a thousand different ways. We do self enough. Like we know, like, like do you do that same thing with the truth of scripture? Like Jesus, in, Roman, in Romans 8, it says this, uh, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the pers- present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That last phrase, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you just take that apart? Do you like, you know, when you chew food, it just gets squashed down. It's not, like it just, it just gets broken up into all these little parts. Do you take a truth like that? Say, man, I'm going to digest that truth till it somehow flows into my being. What are you eating? Here's the deal, friends. You're eating something every day. Your soul is looking for spiritual calories. Your soul is looking for life. Where's it finding it? Jesus says, I'm the friend of life. He's not a snack. He's not an hors d'oeuvre. He's not an appetizer. He's not a dessert. He's not a drink to go with a meal. Jesus is the bread of life. We're going to conclude our service by having communion and singing a song. Jesus understood the importance of this. And so Jesus actually gave us and told us to have physical bread and physical juice to drink to remind us that he is the bread of life. In the upper room, as he meets with his disciples right before his crucifixion, he takes bread and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body given for you. There's wine or grape juice. And he says, this is my blood poured out for you. He says, eat it. Drink it. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Friends, don't just swallow it and go on. Let your imagination, your being, your person, your soul, Digest that. You are his. 
his son, his daughter. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Through Christ, all things are yours. Through Christ, he will never leave you. Through Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and the presence of God dwelling in you. Through Christ, the glory of God belongs to you. Eat that. Drink that. Does that nourish you? Or do you just like swallow and go on? I can just tell you, I'm an expert at professing and believing. I'm a novice at eating and digesting. My guess is we probably all are. But man, this is the bread of life given for you. The way that we do communion at Southridge is you don't need to be a member of our church. What we simply ask is that you have embraced Jesus as your Savior. Some of you may come from some traditions where it's believed that the bread and cup turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus. We would say that these are symbols. But just because they're symbols doesn't mean that we we just thoughtfully do this. They're symbols. And so when we eat, we don't believe that the bread miraculously transforms into the actual body of Christ. But what Wood says, we eat with faith. As we chew, we reflect on the promises of God. We digest his grace. We chew, we drink, we absorb into our being the truth of Jesus' love, his forgiveness, his life given to us. And so we don't just bite and swallow or drink and swallow. We chew, we digest, we eat. So I'm going to release us together, and we have stations in the aisles. We have stations up front. I'm going to ask you to take a wafer and a cup of juice back to your seat with you. There's prepackaged as well. If you would prefer that, there's stations in the opposite sides of the balconies. Uh, The crackers and the baskets are gluten-free, by the way, so you're fine with that. Uh, the ones prepackaged or not. Just want to give that little detail. So as Sam plays, stand, prayerfully come to one of these stations, take it back, and and even before we actually eat and drink, uh, steer your soul to eating and drinking of Jesus. You can move to the stations.
Just going to give you time. to let the imagination of your mind, the roots of your heart, draw life from the person of Jesus. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The glory of God belongs to you through Christ Jesus. You are a new creation in Christ. You are not a pauper. All things belong to you in Christ. Chew on that. Meditate on that. Chew it to pieces for a moment. Let's very deliberately, intentionally, with a focused mind and heart, let's eat the bread and drink the physical cup while at the same time, through faith, saying, God, I am eating your truth. I am feeding on Christ. Your flesh is real food. Your blood is real drink. May it sustain me. May it give me life. May I digest it. May I be nourished by it. Let's do that deliberately, intentionally, with focused hearts and minds and thoughts. Let's eat it together. Lock your mind in 
to the truth of Jesus. God, through your Holy Spirit, may the life of Christ permeate our veins. May it make its way into the nooks and crannies of our soul. Even as what we just ate and drank will make its way to the cells of our body. May your truth feed us, nourish us, strengthen us in you. Let's stand and sing the song as Sam leads us to close out our service. be our snack. 
may you not be our dessert, our side dish. May you be our bread of life. We ask that in the name of Jesus, who makes this possible, and everyone who agreed said, amen. Our prayer team is down here to the right. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, God bless. Have a great day. Eat well and eat often.